Today's reading is Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today is one of my favorite sermon introductions of all time. I'd like to invite you to come on up here. A lot of you know this very familiar face. Today our speaker is Megan Fate Marshman. Exactly. For those of you who don't know her, Megan was raised, born and raised in this church, really. Fred and Ginny are her parents and sister to Kimmy Gross. Um, she is now the mother of Jed and Foster. And she met her husband, Randy, here as well. So this church like, was very formational, I think, for you. And you, yeah, you're, you're known and loved in this community. But we've never actually had the privilege of having her speak here before. So it really is a delight and an honor. Um, more than anything, when I'm introducing people, I love the fact that I get to claim you as a friend, and that's more important to me than anything. So thank you for coming to share this gift with us. Gift with us. Thank you for the friendship that you are to this community, and we are open to hearing how the Lord is going to use you this morning to speak his word to us. So thanks, mate. Yes. Glad you're here. <clears throat> as an intro to, the, uh, intro to the sermon, I sat this morning and considered how this church has been generous to me. Today we're talking about money. <laughs> That's a fun topic. So I thought about how this church has been generous to me. <sighs> like the moment I was sitting on the blue steps after Awana midweek service and Jenny McCullen, Jana's sister, led me to the Lord and I gave my life to Jesus here. Jeez. Or sitting there every single week watching my parents give consistently, faithfully, sacrificially. Or the moment I was in high school and sports started to win over church on the midweek program. And Eric Marsh was my youth pastor. And he found me on a Sunday morning and I was terrified. I thought I was going to get in trouble. And he stopped me. He said, hold on a second. And I said, yeah. He goes, you know, you're, you're decently good with people. I was like, what? He's like, I was wondering if you wanted to be the initiator of first impressions for the youth group. And I was like, that sounds important. And so I showed up and I started to choose in high school, my faith over sports. And now that I work for a church, he was basically asking me to be a greeter. <laughs> so that's, that's what he did there. <laughs> I was baptized there at 26. I met Randy in the very first time you ever did a life groups. Ever. My sister got up here. I don't, if, if you were here, you remember, she was just like real passionate. Like, so I have my life group. My husband was here and he's like, sure. And he did. And then I met him week 12. And then we got married. 
And you also have been generous with me since the day he went home to heaven a year and a half ago. You. I had Eric Balmer's famous tortilla soup within a month of my husband going to heaven. Mandy and Daniel just lingered at my house for months. Do you know how special this place is? I think you do because you're here. So I just want to start by saying thank you for being so generous to me. And I'll tell you this, I've never met a formerly generous person because once you taste it, I think you start to realize it is better to give than to receive. Do you know this truth? And we're going to get there through Jesus's words himself when he talks about the topic of money, but it truly is better to give than to receive. In fact, when Randy went to heaven, money was one of my biggest stresses right off the bat, as you can imagine. I mean, it was terrifying. <laughs> what do you, I mean, now I have to work. Like, that's not an option. And so it was incredibly scary. And I remember I was speaking at a church, and the church had written a note. They knew what had happened. And they had written me a note, and they said, you know, like, we're so grateful you're here to speak. And we wanted to bless your family. And, you know, I'm thinking, like, that'd be nice, you know, maybe <laughs> just. And they said, but you know what we realized is experiences are better than even money for you. And I was like, maybe. You know, um, maybe. <laughs> but they said, you know what? We even thought about you and your family. We thought about this season. And we thought about how probably stressed you are and how probably money has been like this for you for maybe the first time ever. And it's true. They said, so we wanted to gift you with the gift of being able to be generous. And I was like, what? And then I, you know, I kept reading. And then I, and there was $100 bills and it said, enjoy being generous. And so I was like, yeah, that's different, right? So I walked around the conference and I was just judging everyone. Like, who needs it? Not you. You probably have plenty. You have, you're fine. Um, and I walked around and critiqued everyone. <laughs> uh, and then I took it and I was like, God, I want you to make it obvious. I want one of those God stories. You know, the really good ones. I was like, I want one of those. So I put it in my backpack and I just trusted the Lord. I said, you know, God, make it obvious. And then I totally forgot about it for not just days, weeks, even months. And it just kind of sat there. In fact, months later, my, husband, my um, son, Jetty, uh, hit his head and had to go to the emergency room. And so we're in the emergency room. I'm panicking. I'm having a hard time. And my father-in-law's like, just go to CVS. I'm like, <laughs> and so I went to CVS and I picked up a bottle of hydrogen peroxide, $5. And I walk, you know, to the front and I get in line. I'm just stressed. And there's all these people in line. And, um, and then, I, you know, I finally get up near the front and there's one lady in front of me and she has a huge basket full of stuff. And she's price checking every single item at the checker. And I'm frustrated. <laughs> and you could see her making these really hard decisions. Like is toilet paper essential this week? And the Lord's like, ding, 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 ding. It's obvious. I got my backpack and I walk up to the lady and I'm like, Hey lady. It's like, yeah, I'm like, all of this totally covered. It's been paid for. She's like, what was that? I'm like, oh, I'm going to pay for all of it. <laughs> and she's shocked. And I could tell the, sh the checker was shocked. He goes, are you serious? And to be honest with you, I'm shocked because I don't know how much that actually is in there because it was a big, it was actually a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm like, lady, lady, it is. Okay, so I serve a really, 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 really generous God who's been 
wildly generous with me. He's provided for my every need in a hard season. And I want you to know him. It's all covered, all of it. And she goes, I have coupons. I'm like, what? I was like, no, no, put away your coupons. She goes, no, no, I have coupons. I have coupons. We can, we can. And I'm like, lady, it's all covered. And in that moment, it actually felt like the gospel. It almost felt like me being the woman who owed a lot, right? And then I have my little coupons, my good behavior. If I do enough, if I tithe enough, if I'm consistent enough, if I read my Bible enough, I have enough to cover at least a little bit of it. I can cover at least a little bit of it. And I love that I got to look at her and speak the words of gospel. How through finances, I got to look at her and say this, it is all completely covered, all of it. Put away your coupons, put away your good behavior. You don't need any of it because it's already covered before you show up at church. Before you read your Bible, before you hear this word, before you give generously, it's all completely covered. Isn't that good news for you this morning? And then it's fun to go like this. Now live into the generosity. I'm here to tell you I'm bearing testimony. It's been a tricky season being on the receiving end because I truly believe it. Friends, it is so much better to give than to even receive. And that's why Jesus talks about money so much. Not only because he knows the power of it, he also knows the potential of it for one of two ways, either the potential and power of it to do harm in us or the power and potential to be able to be on mission for him. Oh, so which one is it? And, and then how do we get there? We take his word for it. We don't just listen to mine. Are you ready? As I was preparing, I came across that one verse that's like, the word of God is living and active. It's not going to return void. So all I have to do is read it and then we'll be set so I can stop talking. Are you ready? Good. Matthew chapter six. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. If not, you can read it up on the screen. If you can't read good news, I can. Matthew chapter six, verse 19 says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Or moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Beth's already read through the whole passage, but this is the first movement. And really there's three movements within this text. He starts by talking about two treasures, then he moves into two eyes. And then at the end, he talks about two masters. So that's going to be our outline and how we're going to go through it. So first, two treasures, Jesus's words, do not store up for yourselves treasure. What's treasure? Treasure is the accumulation of whatever you find to be valuable, but what it ends up becoming is what you're devoted to. And what he's saying is, do not store up for yourselves treasures here on earth. And then goes about speaking a little bit practically as to why. See, because back in this day and age, wealth was from primarily three different things, expensive cloth, or it was going to be grain or food and then precious metals. And I find it really interesting that here we are thousands of years later and quite literally have the exact same thing a lot of our money goes to. (laughs) Expensive food, expensive clothes, and things made out of metal. (laughs) And see, he even gets real specific. He goes, don't do that. Let me get practical with it. Because if you invest in things on heaven, look it. It's where moth and vermin destroy where thieves can come and break in and steal. What he's saying is the more you have, the more stressed you're actually about losing it. He says, rather store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. He's saying, invest 
heavenly. Invest in things that can't be taken from you. Because I've never seen a hearse attached to a U-Haul. He's saying, Jesus is getting really practical. And in this context, he's talking about what we choose to do with our money. He's addressing that. And the ultimate reason why, and the reason that this passage has become really compelling is actually the next verse when he explains why. Verse 21, he says this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what he's saying is where you choose to spend your money it actually is revealing what you're devoted to. In fact, I'd argue nothing reveals more about your heart than where you spent your money. I wanted to put my money where my mouth was. This morning, I opened up my bank to see just in the past week, what does this reveal about my heart? What about you? How you spend your money. And this is, see, Jesus gave a lot of sermons about money, but here's the interesting thing. Of all the sermons he gives about money, He never asks for any of it. But you know what he asks for a lot? Your heart. So why does he talk about money? Because he knows how attached they are. He's after your heart. Because he knows. And and I'm standing before you to go, isn't it wild to actually admit? I think about money a lot. Do you? Or is grace just really holy and set apart, a dwelling place in which God lives. I think about it a lot. There's basically only five things you can do with it. And it reveals a lot about our heart. Here, Andy Stanley put it real simple. He went through five different things. Here's what you can do. Number one, you can spend it. (laughs) That's fun for me. Apparently. And number two, you can repay debts. So that's good and important. And I recommend it. Number three, uh, you can pay taxes. Recommend that one as well. Number four, you can save it. And then number five, you can give it. And by the way, culturally, that's the order in which we do it. It's called me first living with leftover giving. That's just by nature, how we are wired with what to do with our money. (laughs) And let me go through the list one more time and see who it's for. So spend it. That one's me. Repaid debts, that's like the passive version of me. Yeah, yeah. Paid taxes is like the present version of me. Saving it is for a future version of me. (laughs) And then giving it is God and others. (laughs) Right? Okay. Look at that list. And now listen to verse 21 one more time. Just look at the list. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No wonder we're so self-focused. No wonder we're so anxious. If that's you, you're not crazy. In fact, when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, do you want to know the next topic after the financial piece is? Worry. It's like he almost knows us. So what do we do about it? We keep reading. And then he goes into two eyes. The eyes, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, commentators disagree quite a bit on what he means when he's talking about these eyes. The eye of 
the lamp of the body and if your eye is healthy. And I believe because it's in the context of this money passage, that's precisely what he's talking about. If you have a healthy eye, in other words, if you have a healthy posture towards money, if you're generous, what he's saying is it affects your whole person. But if you're stingy, it affects your whole person. (laughs) And I've experienced this. In fact, I can remember, I've already confessed in front of you that I think about money a lot. It's real vulnerable to like stand up here and be like, hey, I'm your guest teacher. Turns out I think about it a lot. (laughs) But I can remember a time that I didn't. And I remember it was my first summer working up at Hume Lake. So I've worked up there now for, I think, 12 years. I think it is. And my very first summer, I remember there was a time that I made decisions and they weren't just based on finances. And thinking even back to that, I remember our hourly wage There was a joke between me and one of the other leaders of the camp because after looking at how much we got paid, how many hours we actually worked above what we probably should have been working, plus when they take out room and board, what we realized is we were being paid $1.31 an hour. So we had this really terrible joke that if it was ever a rough moment between each other, we'd do this sign. It was this, 131. That's what this meant. And we're like, seriously, it's worth it. It's worth it. Like a kid would be, you'd be sitting next to a kid who's crying and you're like, it's worth it, you know, it's worth it. Or you'd like just be having a really late night, get back at three in the morning after hanging out in cabins and everyone's like, it's worth it. It's worth it. It was our terrible joke because it didn't matter and it was worth it. And it was so freeing. And I even remember the day that things began to change. I wrote down the date. It was the very first time I ever spoke. And I remember giving the practice sermon in front of Steve Gross. And I was so intimidated because he was also one of my youth leaders. And I thought he was really smart. My whole family stood in front of me and I gave my very first sermon. I started crying right in the middle. Do you remember? Like, I can't do this, I just really can't do this. But then I gave the sermon on January 8th, 7th, 2008. I gave my very first sermon at Valley Christian High School. And afterwards they're like, here's your honorarium. I'm like, what's that? And then I realized after that, I really like those. And it was for $50. And I remember thinking, you can get paid for this. And I also noticed things begun to shift. That same year, I spoke somewhere else and they gave me a gift card. (laughs) And it wasn't a gift card to Chick-fil-A. It was just a gift that was a card for one sandwich, which meant I'd have to pay for the fries and the drink. And then when I went to use it, it was expired. (laughs) That really happened that year. And um, I remember being disappointed. Like there was something when suddenly when money became a part of it, it felt really uncomfortable. And then I started making decisions based on it. Money's power, isn't it? And so Jesus is going, hey, what you do with it, it reveals your heart, and I'm really after your heart, so we're going to talk about it. And let me tell you, the eye is the lamp. It's it's what comes in, and how your, your view of money affects your whole person. And it's true because Pre that $50 honorarium, I felt a lot more free. How about you? You feel free when it comes to finances. I spoke not too long at Biola about finances, and then I laughed because I was speaking to people who had none. (laughs) And yet, there was a line of students breaking down at the topic because we just don't talk about it. And it's something we are stressed by, worried about, nervous about people's motive because of it. It is so sneaky, so I feel so honored to come here and let you know a little bit about Jesus' heart about the topic. It's this. He wants your heart, and he knows what it's attached to. I'm getting my, um, I'm I'm continuing education at Biola University, and one of my professors wrote a book about 
um, prayer and a wandering mind. And I find that really interesting that during prayer, see what we tend to do in the book, he talks about this, Dr. Coe, he says, you know, you start to pray and then your mind begins to wander and then you pause it and shame yourself back to the prayer. God, performance prayer. God, I'm so thankful of my your generosity, love. And I love you. And then my mind begins to wander and then we pause and we shame ourselves back to the performance and our coupons. You know what I mean? And he goes, let me tell you what a wandering mind is actually a gift because want to know where your mind wanders to? Whatever has your heart, guess what Jesus wants to talk to you about? Your heart. He really cares about what has heart. He doesn't want you to ignore it, to stuff the disappointment you feel. Keith Dowds came up to me this morning and then he prayed. Of course he did. And he cared about all the emotions. And I'm like, great. Thanks for bringing it up. But he brought it up because this is a place. And I'll tell you, this is a very unique place that says it's okay to grieve here. It's okay to be angry here. It's okay to be sad here and hold joy and do both. I love that about Grace Long Beach. Do you know how unique that is? Because grace, just like Jesus, cares a lot about your heart. And why talk about money? Because that's attached to it. And where you tend to spend it. And so Jesus, of course, says, invest it heavenly because then your heart's going to be there. And then the Lord's prayer will come a lot more naturally. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's where I'm at. And that's where I'm investing. So I'm going to invest in people, places, things, opportunity, relationships, things that are going with me. Or I'm going to invest it into things so that more people can come with me, or I'm going to invest it into this place so that we can do the work of ministry of bringing the kingdom in Long Beach as it is in heaven. And I remember day one when Randy went to heaven, I asked a really hard question of my closest friends, and I have really good friends who knew not to try to give me a little answer or a flippant one. This is what I said. I said, you know, I don't understand the math. I feel like for 10 years in marriage, two were becoming one. I was trying to figure out like how, and I feel like we had just begun to taste it, like the two becoming one marriage. Like, what happens when one loses one? What happens to me? And they just sat there and wept with me. Months later, a friend of mine came back and says, I think I have an answer. I said, to what? <laughs> oh, she's like, to the math, the hard math. She goes, I've watched you for five months, and it seems a little bit about like, like half of you is in heaven. And I got to tell you, it is so freeing because I can stand on a stage like this and not care what you think about me. Isn't that amazing? Ladies, let me take a second with you for a second. It's possible for you to live like that too. And guess how you get there? You invest heavenly because your heart begins to get there too. And then you can walk into social settings and not fear people's approval because you already have it. You see what happens? And when your heart is in heaven, it changes how you live in the now. It actually releases worry. Things that mattered a lot don't matter anymore. (laughs) I'm not so worried about all those things. Why? Because half of me is there. That's why Jesus is going, oh, invest heaven. Because when you know the end of the story, it changes how you live in the now. (laughs) When I went here in my early 20s, I remember we got really into television shows like Ashley Ferguson, me, Kevin Jenkins. There's like a group of us and we'd watch. Do you remember Lost? Remember that one? Yeah, cool. Um, I didn't like Lost that much, especially when I heard it was just Hurley's dream, but it's fine. Um, but you know which one I did like that we got really into was, do you remember 24? Yeah. Oh, hey, good to see you, girl. Um, 24, let me give this, for those of you that don't know, it basically is one show covering 24 hours. So the whole season's one day, 24 hours. (laughs) And, um. It's basically this, like, 
story. It's about Jack Bauer. He works for the counter-terrorist unit, CTU, and he's basically the reason we're all still here. And, um, and the whole season, every season, it's just like how he saved the day. It's like all it is. And I remember watching it, and someone had handed me the, um, to catch up, like, although it was like presently airing season five, when someone gave me the DVDs for like season two and three, they're like, just watch it. I'm like, where's your... And so I started watching it. And I remember watching the DVD. And I remember getting really into the show because it's good. If you haven't seen it, it's really good because like it, like it like kind of sets you up to get really into it. And then the ding, ding, ding. Okay. And so, um, but there's one moment. I remember Jack Bauer's like, you know, calling back counter-terrorist unit. And he's, there's, he's outside the building. And there's like a million ca- uh, terrorists inside the building. And he calls back and he's like, or hold on. I need backup, you know, and then backup's like, just give us five minutes. He's like, I don't have five minutes, right? Like every episode. And so he's outside the building trying to get backup. Backup's not there. I was so into the show at this point. I had stood to my feet watching the show and I'm like, he doesn't actually have five minutes. This is going to be good. And so I'm leaning in. There's a moment as I had risen to my feet, my heart began to bump. There was a moment as I was into this episode that I remembered that we were watching the DVD and they were presently showing three seasons later. He's gonna make it. You know what I mean? You know what I did? I was like, I like sat down. I'm like, he's got it. And he did. He's like, you know, like it's just so good. Or the moment he almost, then the other person comes and gets Okay, so how, when you know how the story it ends, it changes how you live in the now. When you know that he's filming season five and just signed a contract for three more seasons and you're watching season two, it changes how you watch season two. When you've seen the movie before, it changes how you watch it the second time. When you read the story of scripture, which I still remember the moment I was sitting right there and Pastor Lou got up here and he made this comment, Jesus is coming back. I remember, I didn't know that until that moment. I remember, that was one of the sermons I remember is he goes, Jesus is coming back. I'm like, he is? He is? I thought we were just waiting to get to him. No, he's coming back. And in the meantime, he's using you to make it a place that's familiar to him. Because this earth is going away from what he intended. And yet he placed you to make it more of what he intended. And he's coming back. And when you know that he's going to win, it can change and transform how you live in the now, specifically with every aspect of your life, but of course, specifically with our finances, which guess what? Is more attached to our heart than we want. And in this passage, he gives this line where he talks about the eye is the lamp, how you, your posture towards money is going to affect your whole life. And then he gives this confusing little verse, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What he's getting out right here is how tricky it is when we're convinced that we're generous when we're actually stingy. He's saying in that moment, if the light within you is darkness, if you're convinced See, self-deception is a scary thing. He's saying, how great is the darkness of people who think they've figured out how to find security in Jesus and in money? How great is that darkness? Because they're not even aware of it. And I feel honored to stand before you and go, God wants you to be aware of it. Because it's affecting all of it. You're not just generous. You're not just stingy with money, you're stingy with time, your availability, 
it affects all of you, which is why he then goes on to say, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Anyone who divides their devotion to God and money has already chosen money because God is only served with exclusive devotion. See, money is either one of two things. Either it is a master or it's a means to serve your master. It's one or the other. And when it's your master, (laughs) when money becomes your master, I believe it's one of the greatest threats to our ability to, uh, to carry out the great commandment of loving God and loving others because we tend to protect and focus and dwell and be devoted to ourselves and our own comfort. And I believe it was Matt Chandler that said, comfort is the God of our generation. And money is a means to get there when money becomes your master. Or it's a means. And using money as a means to serve God and others is what makes it meaningful because it can be used for unbelievable things. Of course, it's terrible when it becomes your master. So how do we get there? It's a great, you're catching a little glimpse of his heart. The journey that I've taken like 40 hours to get on, hopefully you've begun just a glimpse of it. So how do we get there? Well, we keep on reading. So he talks about treasures, two treasures. And he's saying, invest heavenly. Two eyes have a generous posture. Two masters. Don't let money be your master by default. Choose Jesus, of course, as your master. Then he talks about worry. And what is he'd address that we can be worried about? Our clothes, what we wear, all the things that we put our money into. And then he ends in verse 33 in this chapter and says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Practically, what do you do? We take the list, me, 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 God and others, and we seek first the kingdom, which means this, you flip it. That's how. And although I'm not going to stand up here and ever teach prosperity gospel, because I don't agree with it, <laughs> I will listen to Jesus's words. Seek First, his kingdom and everything else, everything else, all these things will be given to you as well. All the things you need will be found in him. And then I found another verse that just shocked me. Did you know it's in Malachi chapter three, verse 10, that there's only one place in scripture where God says this, test me on this one. You know, that there's only one place in all of scripture. Other places, he's like, don't test the Lord. Just don't do it. This is not wise for you or for me. It's just don't test it. Don't do it. But there's one area that he does. Malachi chapter three, verse 10 says this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. This is God speaking. And then he says this, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Oh, even as I say it, I realize I'm so unlike Jesus in general. Every time I read scripture, I do it with like my own tone. I feel like one time I read this, I'm like, what? I was sitting with a friend. I'm like, what do you think Jesus's tone is? Like just when he says all this stuff, like God Almighty, when God Almighty speaks in Malachi chapter 310, he's like, test me in this. What do you think it's like? I was like, I bet it's like this. Do, do it. Test me. In, seriously, test me in this. Me too. Yeah, yeah. And my friend's like, but God's a lot kinder than you. I'm like, yeah, 
Me too. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but I imagine them. So let's, let's try her version. Hey, test me on this one. See what will happen. You give me that. Here's the weird part. It's actually easier for me to give God my future because I think I secretly know I'm not in control of it. It's actually even a little easier, scary at times to give him my kids because I, I just know God really is in control over them. But money, I earned it, and it's mine. And even this posture is hard to maintain. It's like this. Just test me on this one. See if I want Oh, but I See if you won't see the freedom that's possible. Recognize it's all his. But I'm also here to tell you, I spent a lot of time understanding, trying to understand a little taste of his view on money. And yet last weekend, my son and I are walking into church and he goes, hey, mom. I'm like, yeah. He goes, is church free? I'm like, kind of. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You don't have to have anything. But like, then there's like the worship. Okay. So like, there's two, there's two treasures. And so, and he's like, I'm good. I'm like, okay, bye. Yeah, see you. Yeah, for sure. And then we have this little bank that he has, and it has give, save, and spend. And each time I give him money, you too, you have that too? You do? Yeah, good job, mom. And, um, and every time he goes like this, I don't want to put it in the give. I want to buy a claw machine. And I feel like he just doesn't know how to hide it like we do. You know what I mean? He hasn't learned how to do that yet. And yet I stand before him and go, it is hard but I know Jesus is after your heart. We flip it. And then of course, if what we want to do is to invest heavenly, if we want to have a generous posture, because we know it affects our whole person. And if we want to serve God as our master, ultimately, and this is how we always end right here, is we look at Jesus. Why? Because Jesus had all the treasure. Jesus had all the status, all the security, all the love. He had absolutely everything. Why did he come to earth? There must have been something he treasured so much so that he was willing to leave it all behind, and he did. Think of Jesus' life, born in a manger, into poverty. How do we know? Because at his circumcision, his parents offered two pigeons, which is the poor offering homeless, buried in a borrowed tomb. Why? Because we're his treasure. Every night I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. My three-year-old, each of them have a blessing. And my three-year-old goes like this, mind my voice, sorry in advance. May God give you wisdom and revelation. So that you may do a bunch of stuff for God. No. So that you may know him more. May the eyes of your heart, which he cares about, forever be open. So that you may hope in the Lord. Put your hope and trust in him, not in yourself, not in your ability to be enough, not in your ability, not in your finances, not in everything. Hope in the Lord. And then the song ends like this from the prayer in Ephesians 1. 
and may you become his reward. You are his treasure. And if that's not enough, which it is, he also came that eternal treasure might be ours. So as we come to church, we end our service time before we continue with what's next. (laughs) As we see Jesus coming to earth for us as his treasure, dying with nothing, offering us eternal treasure. We have the potential of treasuring him and becoming more free. Why? Because money just becomes money. That's it. It is a means. It is not our treasure anymore. It's not our means for security. It's not our means for status. It's not our means for safety. It just becomes money because suddenly we remember that we have everything we need in Christ Jesus. When Jesus brings meaning into our life, he becomes our treasure and money becomes a means to treasure Jesus. So when the world dazzles you with self-indulgent, find your status, security, treasure, hear Jesus' words, invest heavenly. Your heart will follow. And when your heart is in heaven, oh, It changes how you live in the now. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the promise of heaven. God, it's weird talking about Randy in front of people that knew him. So Lord, I pray that we would have a taste of that even this morning a taste of heaven. So Lord, use us. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth through us as it already is there. And I just want to create a moment and let your mind wander. (laughs) Because wherever it is, you don't need to shame yourself back to a performance. (laughs) Prayer. Lord, what has our heart? What has our mind? I pray that we would talk to you about that here and now. Thank you for being generous to us. Teach us how to overflow that generosity to others, we pray. And all God's children said, Thank <laughs> you.